All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special Halloween episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin, and I'm not even going to do an intro today. We're just going to get right to the story. I'm not even going to tell you that in just a few days, the uh, new podcast, Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast starts airing. So go and find that show. I'm not going to tell you that, even though I just did. That is November 3rd, that airs. So go and check that out. But in the meantime, we have a wonderful story of the paranormal coming to you from my friend Jenna, who I've known for many, many years and have happily reconnected with uh, over the last year or so. And she's going to tell you about her personal life experiences with the paranormal. If you guys remember, I talked last year about some of mine and uh, currently in my new apartment, we still have some stuff going on. So that's kind of interesting. But let's welcome Jenna to the show. Jenna, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course, I'm really excited to hear these things that have happened to you. And from our talks, it sounds like it all started with a car accident. Well, let me tell you, it did start from a car accident in 1990. It was pretty horrific. Um, it, I had just graduated from high school in 1990. Uh, I graduated in March and August 15th. Um, a bunch of my, I was not feeling very well, um, emotionally and a bunch of my friends said, Hey, let's take you out for a movie, which I decided to do, uh, which we all did. And at the end of the movie, we ended up at my girlfriend's house, Ginger, um, let me keep in mind, we were in a uh, Dodge Horizon. Um, I was at that time in the front seat, but when we had um, stopped at my girlfriend's house, um, not far from where I lived, um, I had switched to the back seat passenger side um, and still from that day, I did not believe in seatbelts. Everybody buckled up but me. Um, and she unfortunately ran a blinking, uh, yellow light. Um, we were hit by a semi on the passenger side. The car spun and then hit a telephone pole, which was the passenger side. Um, I did not respond to that accident. Um, I was rushed to the hospital uh, they did a jar me from the car from Jaws of Life. Um, the only memory that I have from that accident is being in horrific pain in the ER. I remember being in the ER holding my abdominal. And then the next thing I remember, um, I was elevated. 
from my body. Um, I left my body. I, I was gone. Um, I was um, being wheeled into an operating room. I was elevated. Um, they operated on me. Um, I watched from above. I, I know this sounds crazy, but I watched from above being operated on. Um, Did you feel anything? I felt nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. Um, while in the operating room, um, this was the most bizarre part of all the parts is, um, I entered the most beautiful part of a light that took me to God. Oh God, it was beautiful. I, I, I can't even explain to you how beautiful it was that I had entered something so beautiful and so amazing. Um, and as soon as I entered this amazing light of beautifulness, um, I, I, I really can't explain it. But at the same exact time, I was told that I wasn't ready, that I need to go back. Was it um, a, like an external voice or, or an internal voice that told you? Um, it was an external voice. Um, I was told that I wasn't ready and I need to go back. So I went back. And when I went back, I saw my body continuously being operated on. And I remember being confused, uh, completely confused. Um, but there were so many people in that operating room and I remember specifically a doctor uh, being very compassionate about my body. Um, and then the next thing I remember is I woke up and the same exact doctor was standing over my head. So now at this point, you've somehow gone back into your body. I'm back in my body. Um, I'm staring at him. And I remember saying exactly, um, I know exactly who you are. Um, you helped fix me. And his eyes, I remember his eyes getting big and he said, how do you know that? And I said, I saw you do your work on me. And 
and he said, how do you know that? And I, and I said, I saw it. I saw the whole thing. And he looked at me and said, you have no idea how lucky you are being alive. And I remember saying I, I am because I was sent back. And his eyes got big. And I said, I'm, I was, I was sent back. I'm not ready to die. And he said, how do you know that? I said, well, God sent me back. There was other family members there. There was other nurses there. Um, he stared at me for a very long time. Um, I remember feeling my abdominal not feeling right. He explained to me that I was cut from pelvic to chest um, and that they removed um, an organ and that I had blood transfusion and that they had lost me um, during an operation. Wow. How did that feel for you to hear that? Um, I was confused. Um, the only thing that I felt was this overwhelming, um, sense of relief. It, it, it's kind of confusing to explain, but it, it just felt like, um, it just felt, um, it just felt right. It, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it just felt right. And it was, I, I knew that what happened was okay. Um, it took a very long time for rehabilitation. Um, the doctors consistently came back to my room and told me that they lost me. They consistently told me that they lost me and I am the luckiest person in the world. And I kept reassuring them that it's okay. I know I'm lucky. I was sent back, but not to worry because I was told I was sent back. And in my head that I was sent back and it was okay. And I was going to get through this. And I, I, I can't even explain to you. Um, it's almost like no pain, no gain. I'm going to get through this. I will say that I started having premonition dreams. Um, and they were consistent and they were vivid and I brushed them off. Um, the premonition dreams were of one was an apartment fire 
that I lived in that the apartment burned in flames. It was one you were living in at the time? No. Oh. Of an apartment that I've never lived in. Oh, you've never lived in. Okay. Um, the second one was of my stepdad being killed in an, a driving accident. And I constantly called my mom like every day, like her husband. It was her second husband. I constantly called her, is he okay? Is he okay? I keep having this dream. The third premonition was of my car being stolen. And and I know that people have dreams, but these are vivid dreams. And they were reoccurring every night, every night. Every night I'm having these dreams. This is when it started. I I couldn't explain it. I, honest to God, I brushed it off. But it just kept happening. And so the first dream was my car being stolen. And it and it it was consistent. It was real. It was me waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night. Um, then my stepdad being killed in a car accident, and then this fire. Consistently, every night, it was these three dreams consistently, one after another. I didn't dream about anything else other than these three dreams. Um, and, I, and I didn't understand it. I don't know how to explain it. Um... But other than it was, it felt real. I woke up in a, a deep uh, sweat. Uh, but the first one was the car being stolen, um, which I reacted. I went to my insurance dude and said, um, "Help." I need theft on my car. And he told me that I had to have full coverage insurance to have theft protection, uh, which at that time I couldn't afford. Um, I was living in Hamtramck at the time. We all know where Hamtramck is, or Polish town outside of Detroit. I was going to college. Uh, my uncle owned a um, business um, downtown Hamtramck with an outside parking garage 
he owned a funeral home. I hate saying that. Because uh, people think different if I say that a uh, funeral home. Right. Um, when I was in college, I had to write a paper on owning a uh, own business. And I thought writing a paper on a funeral home would be uh, one. But it was so complicated. <laughs> I ended up writing it on a tanning salon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyways, um, uh, I parked in his outside, uh, parking garage and on, uh, being on the outside of the business, him and I were talking and I swear to God, I watched my car drive away. And, and also I thought was, wow, that is exactly what I pictured. I called the police and whatever. Hamtramck, Mayor Young. Huh. Um, and then I continuously, well, I stopped having that dream. Um, and then I started continuously heavy, heavy, heavy having the dreams of um, apartment fire of an apartment I never lived in and my stepdad dying in a car accident. And I, I continuously calling my mom, like, oh my God, I'm, is he okay? Something's gonna happen. I, 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 I don't know how to explain it, but I can feel it, I can smell it. Um, and I ended up moving to Fort Wayne, Indiana into an apartment and it's almost identical to my dream. And I brush it off because I'm really confused about dream and reality. And six months later, I'm out grocery shopping. And um, I come back and the place is surrounded by a hundred fire trucks, police cars. Um, I try to get in, they're like, no, there's a fire. And I'm like, well, I don't see a fire. Where's the fire? And they point and it is exactly specifically on my building. And I am horrified. Um, horrified, not specifically that it's my building, but I have a cat, okay? So I can't get in. But I get my cat out. I, I tell the firefighter, there's a cat in that building. There's a cat out. They get my cat out. And after the situation, I am confused that I have these premonition dreams of this very specific fire. And here it is. It, 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 there's this fire. Next, I'm continually having these dreams. We all know what's going to happen, uh, that my stepdad, my stepdad is going to die in an accident. We all know what's going to happen now. And, and it's so strong and it's heavy. And I'm calling my mom 
constantly saying, oh my God, is he okay? Because it, it just doesn't feel right because it's so real. The day after I call her, I get a call at three o'clock in the morning that he was hit by a drunk driver. Um, and he was DOA. Oh, it was awful. It was the, the, probably the most awful thing I experienced about a human being. I can imagine. And comprehending my dreams with what happened was the first time that I realized that there's something wrong with me. Um, prior to his death, when I would spend the night at my mom's house, um, I'd sleep on the couch. I, I don't know. I'm a couch sleeper. If I spend the night at someone's house, I don't know why, but I do. And he'd kiss me the goodnight and my mom would kiss me goodnight and my mom would go to bed and he would follow her down the hallway. And with my eyes shut, I'd hear him and her stepping down the hallway. And it's year after year. So I know what it sounds like. After his death, literally after his death, this is when it started. Um, it started with these, premon these very specific premonition dreams, these very three, very three dreams. So after my stepdad dies, I go um, to my mom's house. We spent three days in the hospital. If anybody knows, um, in Michigan, it's a 72-hour, um, it's a 72-hour before they take the machine off. Oh, okay. He was DOA, but my mom was very specific that they keep him on machine. Mm -hmm. And if they keep you on machine, that it then it's 72 hours. And then after that, um, I had slept on her couch and she had gone to bed. I slept on the couch. And then right after that, she goes, and then that's where I hear the footprints or footsteps. And probably about five years, every time I slept at her house, it was those footsteps. And I would constantly tell her, like, every time you go to bed, I hear those footsteps after you go to bed. Like, right after you go to bed, I then hear those footsteps 
was it like he was following her like he used to? Exactly the way he would follow her. And it really creeped the shit out of me. And then she moves. She moves to uh, a different location. This is when she moves to the farm. Um, I had a conversation with her that um, Jean is in this house. And if you move, then what? She moves. She moves to a different location. And when now she has extra bedrooms, I sleep in the extra bedroom. She comes in at the end of the night and gives me a good night kiss uh, to say good night. And she walks down the hallway and then about 10 minutes later, the footsteps start. But this time it's different. Right next to the bedroom I sleep in is a bathroom. The bathroom lights up. I go in the bathroom. I get up and I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? I go in the bathroom. As soon as I go in the bathroom, it dims. No light, but a light. I go back in bed. And I can hear the footsteps. And then there's an office across from the bedroom and then that bedroom lights up. This happens every time I see the night. And it's spooky, I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Does it happen when you're not there? She says it doesn't happen there. She says she doesn't feel anything. Um, at one point, I had recommended to go to um, a reading that maybe a person could read something if he's still here or not. And that person couldn't read anything. Um, but every time <clears throat> I would stay the night, there would be this activity. It's almost like you're the vessel or the door that allows that to come through. I always believed that that would be the case. Um, but that is... Um, specifically towards my mom. So other cases towards directly towards me. So that is, um, that's when it starts 
to me, that is when it started. I may have been ignoring it. I don't know, but I started recognizing. Um, I never believed in um, situations like that, but I definitely, it started raising my eye. Um, Just to give you an example, the last place that I lived in, um, I lived in for four years and it, as soon as I moved in, it was very uneasy. Um, I always had flashes of light. I have always had, um, it was an, always an unease of a feeling that someone was always there. Um, my girlfriend's daughter had asked me what was the scariest thing that has ever happened to you and to share with you that one night um, and I honest to God believe that I was in a condo I was living in a condo and the person that lived below me and this is the only explanation that I can come up with is the person that lives below me was a mentally challenged adult um, person that his mother had him come three times a week and it only happened when he would show up and I always felt that he didn't have a filter with God that he always allowed whoever come in to the situation that um, I leave my I'm very very specific on my um, surrounding temperature Um, so in the winter time I specifically leave my temperature at 68 when I come home from work, I like that temperature. It's comfortable to me. It's a sleeping temperature. I like it. Um, I have four cats, Aussie cats. Um, they're high energy cats, uh, which are extremely active during the day, but at nighttime they sleep extremely hard, uh, which I like that. because I sleep extremely hard during the night as well. But one very specific night, I was sleeping temperature perfect. um, And I had woke up with Seriously, the temperature dropped so low that I could see the breath breathing from me. The hair on the back of my neck standing up and I was completely unease of the way I was feeling. 
and I slowly turned and saw all four of my cats and all four were completely staring straight up to the ceiling and I felt this pressure pressing or pressing down on me that I almost couldn't breathe and I had learned years ago that if something unsettling happens like that to pray to God to make that go away and I immediately prayed to God and immediately the pressure stopped and the temperature went back to normal and my cats went back to normal I, I that was probably the scariest of the scariest. Um, I will say the entire four years that I lived in that place was probably the scariest place I've ever lived because every night it was something like that. And you stayed there for four years? I lived there for four years. And every night at between 3 and 3.30 a.m., um, I woke up to something not normal. Um, the temperature was um, irregulated. Um, there was a pressure on top of me. It was, I, I can't explain, but there was always an uncomfortable feeling. When I had first moved in there, um, I never felt comfortable living there. And I talked to the neighbor below me and I had expressed to her that I don't feel comfortable living here for some odd reason. And she expressed to me that everybody that has moved in had moved out abruptly. So there was something about the building itself. I don't think it was the building itself. I honest to God believe that it had something to do with her son. Um, I don't want to say anything negative about people that are mentally challenged, but the only conclusion that I came up with is that her son being, uh, mentally, um, challenged was not able to control uh, good from wrong 
And I, honest to God, believed, and I know this sounds crazy, but I, honest to God, believed that her son can't, can't, um, uh, challenge her trying to think of the right word (laughs) channel channeled um, in bad spirits which made me connect with them I honest to God believe that I do um, connect with spirits. When I lived in Ohio, prior to living here, prior to living in this situation, um, I consistently had some sort of entity that would consistently pop in my vehicle. And I know this sounds crazy, but it was an entity that was not happy uh, extremely angry and was always it was while I was driving and um, somebody at one point said to pray and ask um for these challenge or spirits to leave immediately. And and as soon as I'd pray, they'd leave. My uh, the temperature would go back to normal. Um the stress would relieve. Uh, the visions in my review mirror would relieve. Were you continuing to have any of those vivid dreams through all of this? Uh, my vivid premonition dreams don't happen as much. Um, I will say that recently I've been having premonition dreams, which have been making me very uncomfortable uh, now that I know that they're premonition dreams before I never knew that they were but now that I know that they are um, I'm, I am I try to react on them knowing that they are um, I know that we have normal dreams fantasy dreams Um, But with me, there's a difference between these dreams. Premonition dreams with me are real 
um, they're they're different they're real they're I don't know how to explain it, but they, I, I break up in a, uh, solid sweat. Um, they're, I can't express how real a premonition dream is. My understanding of them is that you are, it's like you're really there, you're smelling the smells, you feel the air, it's its so realistic at that point, you just think that you're actually there. It is. It, 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 you, you smell it, you feel it, you experience it, um, you feel every part of it, um, physical part of it. Um, the only thing I can say is that me personally, I wake up, um, drenched, wake up, uh, wet stress, wet. I can say that I always have vivid dreams. Um, I always have, um, realistic dreams. And I always tell people that I have movie dreams, <laughs> which I do. Um, every night I have a movie dream. And, uh, but there's a difference between a vivid um, and a movie dream. And a vivid dream to me, or I would say a premonition dream, a premonition dream to me is something that repeats over and over and over and over and I found out uh, from the past over years and years and years and years and years that it it doesn't happen overnight um, it literally could happen over a year it it it's not overnight it's over time and I don't like my um, I don't like my I like my premonition dreams because I'm like oh well that's going to happen but on the other hand it's going to happen over time because now that I know it's a premonition I try to prevent it. Well, that would be the whole point, right? If you're if you're having something that foretells some sort of disaster or or bad moment, um, it would seem like the point of it would be to use that as a warning to try and head off that event. If you're able to tell enough from the dream to be able to take an action, you would think that because you analyze it. You, I, in, in my case, I want to say, oh my God, it happened. And why did it happen? And how did it happen? And I'm going to analyze it. Then I'm going to take all that education and try to prevent it from happening. I, right now, 
I have three premonitions that are happening. And I am honest to God trying to help prevent them. One of them, I don't think I will, but two of them, I think I can. Well, I think all you can do is, is make the attempt. You know, if you're, if you're able to try and do something, um, there's not much more that you can do because if it takes convincing somebody else to understand what you're seeing and how strong that is, that alone might prevent it from getting through. I think the crazy thing is, is that um, prior to my accident, um, I never saw anything. And then after my accident, I see premonition. I, I, I shouldn't say that I see, but I feel nervous. Uh, around me all the time. Um, the last place I lived at was a really creepy place. It, I was always uneased. I was always agitated. I didn't like it. It always felt like someone was constantly there and now at my new place um I hate to say this but um I constantly feel like there is somebody constantly looking over my shoulder Um, and I just recently found out that the previously owner um, was found dead trying to fix the roof of the she shed. That explains a lot. Well, it, it you know what? It kind of does. Um, I, I, I can't explain but I constantly feel like somebody is constantly looking over my shoulder. Did that stop when you moved? It, it didn't. Oh. I thought me moving, I honest to God thought that um, where we moved was um, toxic because I honest to God thought that um, the person that lived in the complex was mentally challenged and couldn't challenge or um, ch um, challenge out the uh, good or bad and I blamed it. I honest to God, I blamed it on him because I'm constantly praying. Every night I pray, every night I pray, and every morning I wake up, I pray. Um, so at the end of the day, I blamed it on him 
um, prior situations, I, I have always prayed. Mm -hmm. Um, but moving here, um, it always feels like it's one entity that's constantly watching me and it's disturbing and you you can't explain it you can't unfeel it but it's always there and it's always it's always there I will say that ever since my accident that I can feel uh, different entities they somehow attract themselves to me I wonder if it's just because you've crossed that veil that you became they became aware of you and then attached to your energy I don't know how to explain it, but it sounds crazy, but it is definitely um, a crossing. Um, I have found that other people have um, crossed different paths and wondered why they connect with different entities. It's just odd. Do you feel uh, like you're in danger or is it just something that you're just uncomfortable because they're there? The only time that I felt in danger was the last place I lived at. The last place I lived at was, I, to God, I felt endangered of identities that it it was uncomfortable i always felt pressure like an, a pressure towards me when i walked in and everyone's like why why do you still live there i like living there because i like the place where i lived but at the end of the day the, the the pressure that it gave me living there, it came to the point that I couldn't live there anymore. So, huh, I moved. Well, it certainly had to be uh, something that gave you pause whenever it came to lease renewal. Right. So, the place that, hey, um, if you renew, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, we'll give you this, We'll give you that. And I, I mean, I don't want to be a cheap person, but I got kind of excited when they said this and that. But I will say this. After leaving that place, um, my spirit uh, has lifted so much. It, it's like almost living there has dragged me down. 
Well, that's your that's your home. That's your place of comfort. That's where you go to escape from all the problems of the world. And if you can't feel comfortable in your home, um, certainly that's going to wear on you. Oh my God, I I can't even express like I honest to God thought that maybe something when my dad died gave me that something was possessed. I don't know. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the show and telling us your story. I certainly hope that you're able to um, maybe make some changes with these dreams that you're having and, and help some people out because they uh, they sound like they're giving you opportunity, but that doesn't give you control over the result. Scott, I really appreciate you having me talk about this. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, I, it's a fascinating story. And um, it's not uncommon that people uh, will astral project during surgery. Uh, most of them, the, the cases that I've read, they've gone back into their body after witnessing the surgery and knowing that they're going to be okay. Um, I've, I've not heard of too many cases, but I have had a few where they've gone beyond that, as you did. So it's it's less common. But uh, certainly it seems like some sort of door opened when that happened that 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 your connection to the other side of things never really shut off like it does with most people. I think it's great. Um, thank you so much for listening. You'll have to uh, you'll have to come back next year and give us an update. Oh, great. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>